Welcome to this conversation. I'm Teresa Keller. My guest today is Zach Hupp. Zach Hupp has been a regular guest on this program. He's an Emory & Henry Mass Communications graduate, and his career has introduced us to major issues around the country and around the world. Today, his title is Marketing Specialist in the Coast Guard Recruiting Command. And the national issue that Zach is bringing to our attention is just in a nutshell, there is a recruiting issue in the Coast Guard and in military altogether. Welcome, Zach Hupp, again to this conversation. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here as always. Yeah, you have uh, really kept us informed. And I want to just, before we get into the issue that I did mention that we're going to be talking about as kind of the headline is the recruiting problem in uh, the military and in the Coast Guard. But let's just do a very quick review of who Zach Hupp is. You're going to complete my sentences. I graduated from Emory and Henry Mass Communications in what year? December of 2011. 2011. After that, the job that I took that I decided I couldn't stand was? I was a financial analyst for uh, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission while working with CGI Federal. And I was I hated that job because? It kept me in one place, um, and I felt like the, the learning curve was uh, pretty quick and then became very stagnant. And uh, I knew that I was going to be sitting at a desk for a long time before anything changed in my career, and I wasn't really having that. And in my life, I had always had this desire to be part of the. Uh, so I'd always wanted to. Um, I, I knew that I, I would say the bigger part of it is um, I've always wanted to help people. Um, I've I found my way to that um, while working ocean rescue. I was an ocean rescue lifeguard. And by that, I, that's how I learned that the Coast Guard existed. Um, I had no idea that you could just join the Coast Guard. Um, and once I found that out, I knew that that was going to be my next uh, my next goal was to make that happen. So I wanted to become a member of the Coast Guard, but I had some problems. First, I had to work on several things. Right. Uh, one of them uh, was weight. I was significantly overweight. Um, I met with a recruiter who uh, quite literally laughed in my face uh, in the recruiting office and told me that um the he, he gave me a piece of paper with the numbers on it that said the weight that I had to that I had to be to join um and it was uh just about 100 pounds that I had to lose um and and jokingly said uh if you if you can get this number come back to me uh and I knew that that was uh just just a hurdle to get to where I needed to be and I don't really let hurdles stand in my way and I showed him by golly and I got into the Coast Guard and very quickly I was deployed internationally. Right. So I did. Uh, after I joined, I was uh, stationed in Virginia Beach for about a year. Um, doing that, I was doing um, like recreational law enforcement um, was kind of the primary goal there. Um, through that, I ended up um, getting put on a year long deployment to the Middle East. So I was stationed on um, a 110 foot cutter in Bahrain for a year. And from that, I learned. <laughs> I learned that law enforcement in the military is not what I wanted to do. Um, and while I was there, I was doing a lot of um, personal uh, photo and video projects um, and decided to make a career change within the Coast Guard. Um, got connected with some of the public affairs people in the Coast Guard and uh, lined things up so that when I got back from the Middle East, I stepped right into public affairs roles. 
And says, Zach Hupp, I am so determined and so good when I make up my mind, I'm going to do something that as I got into this more the photography end of things and the communications end of things, I landed one of the most prestigious jobs in the Coast Guard. It's definitely uh, in my eyes, the um, the job that is uh should if it's not then it should be sought after by everybody that does public affairs uh and in my opinion um definitely holds that and every day i miss it um when i was offered or i guess um recommended for the position as the photographer for the uh secretary of the department of homeland security i was um I was not very excited at first. And honestly, I didn't think I was good enough. Um, it, it's that kind of uh, prestige, prestigious of a job. And um, I went through the interview process, was ultimately selected for it's a two year um, special assignment. So I moved to DC and um, worked with incredibly talented people who um, uh, very quickly got me up to speed and um, made me recognize that, like, okay, I, I can do this. I can. Um, meet these standards and, and fit in here. And I worked for this particular secretary, and this is what I thought of him as we traveled all over the world to meet heads of states and to handle national security issues. Uh, right. So I, I've actually worked uh, while I was in that position during the two years, I worked for four different principals. So, um, secretary Mayorkas was confirmed and I finished out the rest of my time with DHS under secretary Mayorkas. As, as we mentioned, did you literally did visit with heads of states around the world and you were by his side at every occasion and your photographs and your information was distributed to media all over the world and showed up in media all over the world. It, and that's one of the most exciting things too, is it's easy to get complacent in that job. You show up, you travel places and you take pictures and you send it out. And uh, as soon as you send it out, you're on to the next thing. And sometimes it's, uh, you know, that night or the next day, um, you know, a, a picture pops up on CNN or ABC and the photo credit, you know, DHS photo by Zachary Hupp. And it's it's crazy to see things that you created on TVs, on newspapers and on walls across the country. Well, Zach Hupp, that took seven minutes. I think we've established your credibility. Well, and now you're working, as we said, as marketing specialists in the Coast Guard Recruiting Command. And in that position, you have discovered that there's a pretty serious issue in recruiting. I, I don't think that it even took this position for me to discover it. I think that this position allowed me kind of the inside track to seeing how bad it really is. Um, I, th um, I think a lot of people have at least superficially been clued in with the military-wide um, crisis of recruiting. It's been the last uh, few years been very tough for a lot of reasons to get people to join the military. And I, it's seemingly got progressively worse. And it's being in the middle of it and actively working with uh, with the recruiters, with the recruiting teams and um, and seeing how much effort's really been putting into um, really emptying out the bucket and finding any any ways we can to um, to to highlight the Coast Guard as as an attractive opportunity for employment, um, but also to tackle the national security issue. I mean, it's not just a job. A lot of jobs can manage being down one or two people, but when you're down, you know, more than 10% of your workforce in a position like uh, with a uh, own organization, like um, the Coast Guard, you know, a branch of the military, we're talking national security implications. And there's, that's not something that we can tolerate for long. This broadcast, of course, is in Southwest Virginia. And it's not like that they're going to be a lot of people who've been 
serving as ocean rescue and lifeguards at the at the coast, would it be something that you would talk to people in Southwest Virginia about that join the Coast Guard? Absolutely. There's, um, you know, I, I, I've lived all over the country. Um, most of the time when I was young, I grew up on, on the beach. Um, and even when I joined the Coast Guard, I, I recruited out of Wilmington, North Carolina. It's a, a coastal town. It's actually categorized as a Coast Guard city. And my assumption was that, you know, the Coast Guard was just made up of a bunch of people that are from or live at the beach. I very, very quickly found out that that's not the case. Um, there are, people that recruit and join the Coast Guard from all over the world. Um, just on my first unit, there were 11 people on my boat, including me. And uh, three of them were from the Midwest. Uh, you know, one of one of my favorite, he was from Nebraska, just the middle of Nebraska. I had to drive three and a half hours to talk to his recruiter every time. Not living at the beach and not having um, ocean rescue experience or, or even being near the coast, that, I don't think that that precludes at all. The conversation of having if 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 serving in the military serving your country is something that you're interested in the coast guard is absolutely an option surely you've got to want to you got to be a strong swimmer and like want to be around the water uh surprisingly not so there um there is a, a swim portion uh a swim requirement it's it's relatively dialed back uh if you can tread water for a couple of minutes and and swim a lap or two in a pool uh, for the most part, you'd be okay. And uh, even the people that kind of struggle with it, um, there's a remedial swim program that that allows uh, not so strong swimmers to improve uh, just during the training. And there's also it, most communities have programs where if if that's something that you want to do, you can work with uh, community partners at a at a pool or something to um, to work to build those skills up. Do you actually talk to potential recruits, or you're more in the bigger communications world of materials? and social media strategies and that kind of thing? A little bit of both. So I do, uh, part of my job is working with the the social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, um, a little bit of Twitter. We have a YouTube, um, you know, everything is at Go Coast Guard. So it's um, super easy, blanket marketed across the board as um, ways to reach out. So I, I work with with those social media platforms. So the people who are potentially interested, you know, if, if right now, if you go on to Instagram on at go coast guard and you find something that you're interested in, you send a direct message to that account that would come to my phone and I would be able to directly engage with you as a potential um, attempt, a potential employee with the coast guard. All right. Let's pretend that I'm of military age and I'm female and you're talking to me about why I should join the Coast Guard. What are you going to say? Sure. The Right now, the Coast Guard is um, one of the most diverse, attractive branches of the military. Um, in 2018, towards the end of the uh, 2018, the Coast Guard sat down as, as a direct recruiting effort, uh, a line of effort, and said that we want to um, specifically target our resources to make the Coast Guard more attractive for uh, women and underrepresented minorities. And we were uh, one of the first branches to have that be a real concentration of effort. Why do you think that? That's interesting. I mean, I would think everybody would be doing that, all the military branches. Why is Coast Guard leading on that? I don't think that that's something that's um, uh, that any of the other branches have been excluding. I think that that's just something that the Coast Guard has been highlighting the um, the opportunities and the, the strengths within the Coast Guard, uh, particularly to attract female 
candidates. There are a lot of jobs in a lot of other branches that people look at and say like, oh, that's that's a job that a man can do. And in the Coast Guard, truly any job that a man can do, a woman can do. Um, and that's being able to highlight highlight those um, aspects of the Coast Guard and, and really capitalize on that. Okay, you've got you've got my interest as a young woman and the consideration of what I'm going to do with my life. So what are you going to do for me if I join the Coast Guard? The right now, the Coast Guard is putting out a lot of uh, there's signing bonuses that for the most part, all of the the bonus structure is uh, pretty similar across the board with all of the branches. The Coast Guard, in addition to the regular signing bonus, we have opportunities depending on the job. If you want to come into the Coast Guard and be a cook, uh, we're offering bonuses right now. I mean, that's Changing, I think it's maybe twenty thousand dollars as a, a additional signing bonus if you want to cook. And if you have a culinary degree, that's forty thousand dollars just to sign up and and join the Coast Guard. Well, and you didn't react when I said, "What can you do for me?" I, I was expecting to get clobbered if I sign up for the Coast Guard. What are you going to do for me? Is that the kind of person you want, or you want somebody who's not going to be asking that question? Is going to be going to be saying, "How can I help? How can I serve?" If, if we excluded our um, applicants to people who exclusively approached us and said, how can I serve? I think that would be doing a disservice to the military as a whole. Um, to some extent, you know, we also have to keep in mind, we're talking about, uh, like you said, the, the prime military recruiting age, you know, 17 to 25. And a lot of those people do just inherently have that idea of what can, what is this going to do for me? And that was, that's, plays partly into why we got into the crisis that we're in now. So many, uh, first, a large number of people are graduating high school, 17, 18, graduating high school and going to college at um, higher rates than, uh, you know, 20 years ago. But also on top of that, there's so many other uh, jobs that people can do where they, they look at it as what can, what can you do for me? That's better than this other opportunity. We can't just close our eyes and pretend like that's not the reality. So we have to understand that, you know, these 17 to 25, 26, 27 year old kids are coming in and they want to know why is it better for me to join the coast guard than it would be if I go work at the company that my uncle and my grandparents have owned for years and years and years. And they're going to pay me just the same amount of money. Why should I join the military instead? And we have to be able to to speak to that. You said that more people are going to college. I assume that there's a recruiting effort at the graduating end of those people who go to college. There is. So we have a lot of programs for college students. Um, one of the the biggest one is the CSPI program, the College Student Pre-Commissioning Program uh, or Initiative. Sorry, and it's uh, at, at uh, schools and universities that serve underrepresented minorities. HBCUs, for example, they. Uh, we have a program where if you're a student at one of those institutions, we can't you the Coast Guard will pay for your tuition, housing, books, everything for your last two years of college. At the end, when you graduate, you're guaranteed um, a position in the Coast Guard with the contingency that you can pass the uh, the minimum standards of a Coast Guard Academy graduate and that you maintain during your time in the program, you maintain the physical fitness standards and the grooming standards, just like any other member of the Coast Guard would. So you get your college and everything paid for for two years. And when you graduate, you come out with a commission. You're a commissioned officer in the U.S. Coast Guard. All right, Zach Cup, you that's quite a presentation of wonderful rewards and benefits. So what's the problem? Why is recruitment down? Why is it getting to be a national security issue to get people in the military? So, you know, part of it is that that societal shift where, um, you know, we're looking at a lot of people who are for the last 20 years, they've 
been watching the longest war in the country rage on, you know, following the, Sept- the attacks on September 11th. A lot of people are tired of seeing this war that's uh, coming to an end, um, but still oftentimes still in the news of the a nation in conflict. And I, it, what we're seeing is a lot of people are just tired of that. Um, you know, a, a, another big part of it is the prime recruitment target, the target market, uh, 17 to 25 year olds right off the bat, only 70% of that, uh, or sorry, only 30% of that target market is even, uh, fit for military service. Um, you've got people who are overweight or who have medical issues, have pre-existing injuries or a history of drug use or uh, body modifications that are precluding them from service. So then we're working with that 30% of the country that is fit for service. And then how many of those people are um, don't have um, children that would preclude them from going to service or being deployable, or are they're not in a family situation where they would want to go? Um, there's, you know, then you, you break down out of that group, how many of them even want to serve? We're talking about who can, then you take out of that 30% who want to serve. And it, you very quickly get down to a very, very small percentage of the population that we can even try to convince to join the military. And I say the military because the Coast Guard is just one aspect of the military. So we're competing with the other branches to try to convince them Coast Guard is better you sh- you would be a better fit in the Coast Guard than you would for the Army or the Air Force or the Marine Corps or the Navy and and the Space Force now. So we're it's it's a constant competition for a very small slice of the pie. And another thing is that their jobs are plentiful. Okay, I'm going to throw this out there: is that there has long been a criticism of our military that we take advantage of the poor because they're the they're the people who fight the wars for us and do the work for us because they don't have other opportunities. Well, right now, people who want jobs can get jobs. They may not have benefits and those kind of things, but that versus the idea of, as you say, conflict, how does that issue play into it is that we've kind of depended on people who need jobs and people who are at the lower end of the economic spectrum to fill the military ranks. The the economy is definitely another one of those parts that um, as a government as a whole has almost um, shot itself in the foot, I would say, uh, with policies like free access to college um, or uh, increased federal funding for community colleges, because there, you're right, there were a lot of people who saw the military service in the military as, OK, I can do a couple of years in the military and then when I get out. I will get my college paid for, or I can, if I already have a degree, I can serve a couple of years and transfer that college degree to my son or daughter so that they can go to college for free. Um, And when you, when that's not as much of a bargaining chip anymore, because of these other policies that are coming in at the federal level, um, you know, the, during COVID, the stimulus, uh, the stimulus checks that were coming out, a lot of people were like, well, I'm not hurting for money so bad right now. So you know, maybe I was considering the military because I was in such dire straits, but now I'm getting checks from the government. I'm, I'm okay for right now. So there's, there's just been a lot of things that have a lot of small things that when all put together have over the last couple of years prevented a lot of um, people from fulfilling that desire to serve. But here you are an outlier with your college degree and with the challenge of losing a hundred pounds, 
you joined up, it's worked out great for you. And how long do you intend to stay? I think that's the question that um, most people in the military uh, face um, at least every couple of years at the, coming up on the end of their contract. Um, they have to weigh that decision. And and for me, that decision um, came up this spring. Um, the end of my, at the time, current contract was expiring in July. Uh, so this spring I had shopped around for other jobs, um, looked at a whole bunch of opportunities, um, went through several interviews with a whole bunch of, um, companies here in DC and the, even with the compensation packages that they were offering job fulfillment to me is significantly more important. I mean, the difference of a couple of thousand dollars versus I love what I do. I love the people that I work with, um, every day that I do my job, I know that I'm doing something good and I know that I'm, I'm in good hands and I've worked at a lot of other jobs where I, every day I felt like if something happened today, I wouldn't mind leaving. And that's not been the case with the coast guard. Um, and, and that's, that's not even a sell for the coast guard. That's, that's me personally, why I just reenlisted for another five years. Most reenlistments are four. I, I added five because I, I know that this is for me going to be something that for at least for the next couple of years. And, you know, maybe something changes between now and 2027, but for the time being, this is, this is everything that I need, everything that I want and, and certainly fulfilling, uh, what I, what I look for out of a job. A career. What a testimony, Zach Cup, Emory Henry graduate, now marketing specialist with the with the uh, recruiting command of the Coast Guard. I don't want to end this conversation without hearing about your most recent. I don't know if you call it deployment. Your most recent assignment. You were covering working for communications in Florida related to immigration from Haiti. Is that anywhere close? And tell us about that most recent work that you did. That's right. Yeah. So my um, so my overall job um, with the Coast Guard as a public affairs specialist um, is how that's defined. Um, so within at, at being a public affairs specialist, uh, we every few years we rotate to different jobs, um, different assignments. So uh, my current assignment right now is with recruiting command. But my overall uh, what the Army and the Marine Corps, right, the MOS is what is commonly referred to our job specialty is public affairs. So as a public affairs specialist, um, I was one of uh, the members who deployed um, down to Florida and down to the Keys um, as part of a, a migrant surge operation, um, where for the last uh, year, year and a half, um, give or take, they've been seeing just an absolute unsurmountable number of um, migrants coming across, uh, attempting to, and sometimes successfully reaching the United States. Um, the, the bigger issue that my deployment was is how unsafe these journeys are to, to truly document. I mean, a lot of people think like, Oh, people are just coming to the United States and they're, you know, they don't, they think they leave one place and then they show up and it's very easy to um, not take into account that whole middle part where it's in a, not even considered a boat, a box of styrofoam with sometimes metal sheets around it and um, either a sail made out of a trash bag or a motor made out of a weed eater. Um, and they're traveling 80 miles at one or two knots. You know, you're looking at, three, four, five, sometimes six days in the middle of the ocean on an overcrowded 
raft essentially um, in conditions that you have no clue what could happen. The winds could pick up, the swell could pick up, it could rain, it could get hot, it could get cold. And it it's an ab- people get hurt. It is not a safe journey. And, and it's not something that, uh, frankly, I don't think is something that people see enough of the, the absolute, um, links that people go to in hopes of reaching the United States. The Coast Guard rescues people when they get in trouble in those situations. Right. So the, the way that that happens is, um, typically through interdictions. Um, so we have planes and helicopters that are, um, constantly, flying and doing like search in the area. Um, and they'll kind of relay back to, um, to ground units, surface units and let them know like, Hey, there's, you know, we saw two or three in this area and a few more over in this area. And there's not really, you know, when they're 40 miles away, that's not really something that unless you just come across them with one of our big, um, assets, it's, it's tough to really do that. So a lot of them really rely on these, um, shore units at the, you know, the station level station, Key West station, Isla Mirada, um, you know, to once they get within a couple of miles to be able to get out there and, and interdict them. So that first of all is stopping them from reaching the United States illegally. But secondly is, is being that first line of if somebody's hurt or they need water, um, you know, when they go out, they take cases of water. Cause oftentimes these people have been in a boat for four or five days and maybe they only have, uh, you know, two gallons of water between eight of them for a several day journey. Um, and th- that Florida heat in the summer is it, dangerous, deadly. So there's, there's a lot of things that the um, that the Coast Guard does to to interdict and prevent from a law enforcement standpoint, but the humanitarian side of it is um, is another one of those aspects that gets often overlooked. I think I heard, and I may be wrong about this, but that immigration from Haiti and Cuba are in the top four of places that people are coming from. Uh, those are the closer um, closer points to to the land in Florida, so it's um, often viewed as an easier track. Um, a couple of days on a boat versus sometimes weeks over land and terrain, um, you know, water, sometimes people may view that as the easier option. So that's, um, you know, and you're only going from, from one place across the water to there's the United States instead of traveling all through, uh, South and Central America to reach Texas. So in 20 seconds, what did you learn from that mission that you were on to document those travels and the journeys? So I, I tried really hard to not go down there with any um, preconceived notions. I mean, I I went down there to do my job. Um, when I got down there, uh, knowing what the mission was, that the 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 teams that I was going out with, what they were going out to do, I very quickly realized that a lot of these people, of course, some of them were did have weapons. Some of them were people that we we could not allow. Right. But a lot of these people were, they were just families, you know, people coming over with their kids and they were just doing anything they could for their, to, to help themselves or help their families, help their kids. And that's something that you can't help, but have empathy for that. You've got 15 seconds. Why should I encourage people I know in the proper age group to join the Coast Guard? When you look at opportunities that are provided out there, there's, there's so many, there's so many benefits that the every job opportunity has. Um, so to say that the Coast Guard is 
the only the only employment that anybody should look into. I'm I'm not going to sit here and tell you that the Coast Guard's not the perfect employment for everybody. But what I would say is um, to encourage everybody to to take a look at GoCoastGuard.com. Take a look at the jobs we offer, and if there's something that interests you, um, if there's something that that you think you can do to um, to make yourself better while you're serving in in serving the country in the in the military, Coast Guard's going to be here with open arms, waiting to to do anything we can to process you through. Thank you so much, Zach Cup. Go to WEHCFM.com if you want to hear this again. Share it with somebody. It'll be there in the archives. Meanwhile, this is this conversation Wednesdays at 6, Sundays at 2 on WEHC and WISEFM in Wise. See you next time.